It's Friday, May 6, 2022, and you're listening to episode 596 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 43 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Julia. I'm Barodor. And my name is Tex. All right, so we got Tex here with us in town. He is visiting the St. Louis crew for a bit, though he's headed out tomorrow, but we managed to get him for an episode tonight. And actually, this serves as a useful talking point to give something of a preview of an announcement, which is the fact that something we're going to be doing, particularly once we lose Brodor and he moves off to some stupid place he doesn't belong some secret location where i will be shooting guns and throwing weed and yeah and i hope it all fails miserably and you end up back here i really do wish a profoundly unhappy future on you <laughs> uh, i uh if if that happens dan i'll eat a bullet before moving no again. you already promised me <laughs> god damn it you you're promised right. me you would come back and give you're me a chance right. to god stop you damn it oh, this is that. why i worked you in to my faustian contract <sighs> Fausty. But, but anyway, what we're going to be doing is I haven't come up with a name for it yet. Maybe there'll be regular episodes and I won't give them their own numbering system. If I do, it's going to be like phone the boot or something like that. But we're going to start doing some episodes with remote hosts, not guests we're interviewing, but just people that have been on Fear of the Boot in the past or have been close to the Fear of the Boot community that we're going to be bringing in some remote episodes, which includes text here. But also Chris Hussey and sadly Brodor. And, you know, we've got some other folks that we're looking at too. And we've started some Discord level discussions about this. All right. Second thing up before we get into today's topic is Julia, you have a request related to Fear the Con. I do. So I've gotten talked to by a couple people in the community about them needing to bring their kids to the con in order to make it. So I was hoping that I can call upon the community to create some child games, probably five and up, to entertain the kids. If not, I think we're going to try to band together and hire some babysitters to entertain them at a table with coloring books and the like. And if there's any volunteers for that, that would be cool, too. But realistically, if we can get these kids into gaming, let's do it. Yeah. So So we're trying to put something together. So let me stress, no promises here, but we are trying to make the convention set up such that if you have younger children, that does not need to be the reason you don't come to the con. In first slot already, I have an intro to RPG game set up. And as of right now, I am accepting kids as young as five years old into this game. That was because of me, by the way. Yeah. So (laughs) they can get into gaming in surprisingly unusual ways. When my daughter was in kindergarten, she had to stay home for a sick day and I stayed home with her. And so I actually had my Descent game out. And so we were playing Descent on the dining room table, and I got ready to bring a couple of the models in to, to battle the party. And my daughter goes, Papa, we can't have the Elder Dragon and the Archdemon battle the heroes. And I said, why not? And she goes, because they're falling in love. <laughs> oh, that's cute. See? What I'm just saying there's a lot of yeah. ways to involve kids. Yeah, there, yeah. Are, there are. And there are actually a surprisingly number of kid-friendly games. I'll link to the episode. But a while back, we did an episode on gaming with children. And one of the things I did is I reached out to the broader RPG community through an industry mailing list and asked for anyone's recommendations for games that are child-friendly. I got some of the names you would expect, like Secret Lives of Gingerbread Men and Happy Birthday Robot and such, but there were some ones in there I had never heard of before. So if you're 
have kids and you're curious to see what's on this list, I will put a link to that. Now, that was some years back. I'm sure new titles have come out that aren't on that list, but it's at least a starting point. All right, so, Broder, what narcissistic crap do you need to work through? Well, so, first of all, I want to say thank you to Jason Brick for having me as a guest on his show, Safest Family on the Block, where we talked about role-playing games and how you can use role-playing games to teach your children not just math and communication and critical thinking, but more so about safety exercises and how to role play through different scenarios and different situations so that your kids can uh, well go through those sort of mental katas and, and be prepared for adversity. And he right. let you talk about it? Well, I can be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Imagine there's a little child and Brodor comes into your house. So, no, it's it's true. Now, I, I obviously was unabashedly me, but but I can be mature and I, I can be concise sometimes and even say something that's worth listening to. Not right now, obviously. But also, I want to thank uh, Jim Pinto of the world's largest dungeon fame of having me on his show, My 10th Level Paladin. If you want to hear me like full octane, super not safe for work, Brodor, talking about my favorite D&D character ever, I would encourage you to check it out. Okay. Because it was a blast. All right, if I can find those things, I know I can at least find the Jim Pinto one. If I can find the Jason Brick one as well, I will link that. Jason Brick, safest family on the block's a big deal relative to what I do or Jim Pinto's listenership, so yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to try. I'm just saying, if I can find these things, everything we've referenced that is not a future plan, I will link in the show notes. And for Fear of the Con, of course, that's still at fearofthecon.com, and we are hoping to see tons of you Join us come mid-June, June 16th, 17th, and 18th of this year. So, all right, let's roll into our topic. Brodor, you did something that I have contemplated, like never contemplated doing. I've just contemplated the subject in the abstract, kind of like surviving a nuclear detonation. You know, you don't actually do this, but you just contemplate it in the abstract. Like, would I make it? And you can hide under your desk because that'll protect you. Yes, yes, exactly. Or go into the hallway and put a book over your head. Well, it can it's like be weirdly comforting to have a plan. I mean, even if you know even carrying out this plan is a terrible plan, or, or like, you know, those things like, okay, to wait for the fallout to decay, you have to stay indoors for two weeks. I'm yeah. like, I hope I have enough peanut butter. <laughs> I, I am a good conditioned citizen of these United States. So I will wear my cloth mask that doesn't work. I will wear my oxygen mask that falls out, that doesn't do anything. It's certainly not going to save me when the plane crashes. I will hide under the the wafer-thin desk that will not protect me again because I am an obedient idiot. (laughs) Fair. I'm not sure about the episode or not, but I'm going with yes because you didn't go too far. So you got uh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't stop while you're ahead. Or yeah. behind, as the case may be. <laughs> All right. But you did something that is not conspiratorial or controversial that I have thought about. Now, I have guest GM'd in a variety of groups and situations where I have come in for a set of people I don't normally GM for and run either a one-shot game or at least a one-off game. So either it's a one-shot like you do at a convention or something like that, or it's a one-off 
where they've got a D&D game and I don't know what the plot's about, but I'm just going to tell some completely self-contained story that does not need any contextual awareness to work. The characters went on vacation. Yeah, I was thinking about yeah. that. It's like one of these Star Trek episodes where the whole crew's on shore leave. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, <laughs> random things happen to them on shore leave, and then we can just forget about that next well, week. It's the yeah. anime beach episode. Every right. anime series has the beach, beach episode. episode. Just so that they could be on in bikinis on the beach. Well, yeah, gotcha. but then on top of that, it always has sort of a standalone <laughs> plot. plot. The one in Persona yeah. 5 was perhaps one of the most nonsensical because a flight that could not make it to L.A. because of a storm ends up getting diverted to obviously the next closest airport, which is Hawaii. (laughs) And because that's the only place that Japanese vacation. People talk about Americans being culturally and geographically insulated. Let me tell you right now, we don't win that game. Mm -hmm. We're bad, but we don't win that game. But Brodor, all right, you did something that is different than all of this. So it was wild. A good friend of mine said, Hey, I would like you to guest DM my game. And I'm like, I'm not sure exactly what that means, because initially I thought exactly what Dan was alluding to, that I was going to come in and I would, you know, do a one shot that was not related to the normal continuity of the campaign. Or maybe like a DLC side quest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But what I wasn't prepared for is that I was going to take on an important part of the narrative of the game, right? I didn't know what I was getting into. And you know me and you know how I'm a stickler for show up on time and treat it a little bit more seriously and blah, blah, blah. And I learned a lot of lessons from this. One, I think it was totally inappropriate to have me come in and do this. And I'm not upset with my buddy because we didn't know at the time, but dude, it was wicked awkward for a lot of reasons. One, we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for everybody to show up to the game and people are drinking and doing their thing and I'm drinking too and we're having fun. But I'm like, dude, I've been here for an hour and a half and we haven't started gaming yet. This is really starting to irritate me what's going on. And then I start getting asked questions by one guy in particular who was very, we just didn't have personalities that meshed. Okay. Mm. We just didn't like it. And in fact, at one point he talked about how he has to quarterback the D and D party because they, you know, they don't do the mechanics right and yada, yada, yada. And I just thought to myself, you, you understand taking over the group and, and quarterbacking. That's not a thing to be proud of. That's not something that you should boast. Well, what's going on here? But anyway, I realized that, well, out of curiosity, what edition was this? Fifth edition? Five. Okay. The reason I was curious is because if it was like Math Finder, then somebody having to quarterback the party. Yeah. I get. I Yeah, exactly. I get it because there's no way any no, because, normal person can do that math to its most effective you're, levels. You're operating under the assumption that anybody at the table knew the rules or how the game worked. See, that's where you were wrong. But okay, because I, mean, I know there's also like there, there's a rules violation where like somebody's going to do something that's actually against the rules, and you can debate if you want a rules law or that. But then there's also the min maxer, and so oh. like if you're playing with my son, you'll occasionally have him chime in and point out that that is not the most mathematically optimal thing you could have done. And if you want to min max it, he'll clue you in. Oh right, well so. They had that guy at the table because he was he was quarterback guy, but like nobody knew the rules. But that doesn't bother me either. But 
I realized that they're doing a type of gaming that I did a long time ago and not to disparage the gaming that they were doing, but they wanted kick in the door, kill the monster, take the stuff and be more powerful. Okay. So loot and scoot. Yeah. Loot and scoot. So my friend asked me to come over and said, Hey, I would like you to put some fear into the PCs and really kick the tar out of them in this encounter. Now those weren't his exact words, but he wanted me to make them fear monsters, right? And so they'd been working with the silver dragon and blah, 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 blah. But did he want you to just make something that was mathematically more powerful than the players? No, 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 no. I really think it was a bid for assistance in that as the game has progressed and they're getting mechanically more powerful as a game master, I'm having difficulty challenging the party. Okay. So would you come in and maybe run a combat Crush encounter? Crush their souls? Yeah. But, but, can we rewind this a little bit? Sure. What level were the characters? Uh, 14 and 15, respectively. Mm, okay. okay, so that's kind of rough to begin with in terms of putting the fear of God And there's like them. six of them. Yeah, okay. Oh. That, doubly so. Yeah, yeah. now we're... Because, and it's fifth edition, so it's super pro player, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they've and got dragons, a silver dragon helping and, them out. And, and, well, so the silver dragon's not there. And dragons in 5e, no offense, you know what, whatever, if you're hurt by this, I'm sorry, I don't mean it to hurt your feelings. 5e dragons suck on on a level that is embarrassing. Like, the game... If they're in their lair, they're fairly scary. Yes, that's true. Yeah, if they get all the lair action, frightening. Any dragon in 5e on the ground is a bitch. Yes. An absolute absolute bitch for sure and that many people th- at that level could defeat but, like an average but dragon. that's but that's not where i'm going right okay where i'm going is this I'm scared is that they're in this elven town and it's this wooded village blah 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 and i don't care about the mechanics i don't care about initiative i'm just gonna terrify them right hmm. and so i describe this slow roll of dust and detritus and screaming, and clouds of gas, and people vomiting up their guts and their lungs as their eyes are rolling out of their faces like gelatin, and they don't know what's going on, and they run out into the streets, and there's all this chaos, and they see the green dragon, and they're like, holy crap, it's a green dragon, and that thing is a 15 by 15, you know, it's a huge creature, right? It's got an enormous body and a 60-odd foot wingspan, and blah, 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 at which point they see the black dragon cut down an alleyway in blow acid from basically on screen to off screen and they can just hear the screaming and the mommy no and the blah blah blahs and not <laughs> it hurts my mommy so <laughs> yeah. the mommy knows and other such random garbage and so an adult green dragon and an adult black dragon are you know like cr 15 and 16 respectively or whatever my numbers aren't exact but they're atrocifying the town right just that they've been staying in for yeah, a while absolutely so they stopped in the town to do the thing and meet the king and the did 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 or the the leader of the village and the blah 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 because MacGuffin and plot and I was like 
you guys. I'm going to burn everything. Because one important thing that I've learned about gaming, Mm -hmm. and it's taken me 30-odd years of gaming to recognize, is that that little piece of paper that you have in front of you, that's not where your feelings are. That's not where your nerves are. It's not where (laughs) I hurt you. It's all those little things that aren't mechanical that I can pull on and put pressure on, and I can cut their f***ing faces off, and I can really make you suffer. So I'm never going to play in a Brodor game. I will cry. I am just brutalizing these people, right? And so the Black Dragon lands, and it's obviously the more intelligent of the two. And they start conversing with this dragon, and ultimately they convince the dragons that they're going to kill their silver dragon ally, cut off his head, and bring it to the sacred bog where their Dracolich overlord does dark rituals, right? So then... Wait, what? They're going to, like... Off their friend. No, they were liars because oh. because rules lawyer doesn't know the rules. Quarterback guy is a paladin and he's the <laughs> paladin ever. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm being mean, but I there's some venom here that I need to get out. Anyway. Clearly. Anyway, so I'm watching the game and my friend's child is sitting to my left. And, you know, we're transitioning things and... The kid says, looks at me and there's a, you know, a a lull and it's a big table and there's other side conversations going. And the kid looks at me and says, you're way better at this than my father. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, Oh, wow. Twist that knife. And I was like, dude, first of all, number one. Don't ever talk about your dad that way. First of all, (laughs) that's totally unfair. Right. And I know that for some of my patrons, I'm repeating myself, but I was like, that's unfair. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. Your dad just started. He's new to these rules. He's not an experienced game master. Blah, 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 blah. But also he's running the game that you guys want to play. The game that you want to play is kill monsters and take their. That's not the game I run. So, this is the, the the kill your soul yeah, game is more my speed. Yeah, this is yeah. I, I want to make you lose sleep about the decisions that you made because I don't care about the math. <laughs> but this and, might also be like a you don't know what you want. Luigi knows what you want. <laughs> and so, you know, if all they've ever done is a loot and scoot, right, then that's what they think they want. But I mean, and not that there's anything wrong with loot and scoot, but maybe yeah. they don't know there's another but, way. But yeah. OK, but then now put yourself in the position of my friend who's game mastering and he's watching and and I didn't do anything special. Let me absolutely make that clear. I didn't do anything unique or mind blowing or new or innovative as a game master. I just have XP. Right. Right. And and so the players were eating it up. And by the end of the night, they were like, are you going to come back next week? And I was like, no, no, I'm not. So the only (laughs) thing I can say is, and this is from like an interpersonal situation, That GM came to you for a reason. Right. So, I, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of okay. I mean, not that you would come back again. Well, I think right. you made the right decision well, there. Was the GM but there? He was at the table? He, he was running the game. And then, basically, I was at the table with my books, and everybody thought that I was going to have a character that gets introduced. And instead, so, you yeah, and, and in the characters yeah, that I introduced... I'm, I'm these, Julia, because you yeah. weren't really subbing i mean if he actually called you into pinch hit but was still there i agree yeah. he called yeah. you for a reason he, yeah. maybe he wanted this yeah. sort of game yeah. but, but they never really thought they were i got a two-part question about it though. well no Fair. i don't think he's I, I got a two-part question for you that's related to exactly what tax and julia are saying one why did he ask you to do this and two why did you agree to do this 
because he's my friend and I didn't ask questions. It's just the same reason. Remember when okay, you killed that the, hooker at three o'clock in the morning? You no. called me. No, actually, oh. I've never had that experience. Well, okay, but, but let's go back to the first question. Okay, that that explains why you agree. Yeah. Why did he, why did he ask, ask you? you? Yeah. I don't. Okay. Here's where I made a mistake. I'm not sure you've made a mistake, but go on. I'll finish your thought, but I'm not sure you made a mistake. In, in hindsight, what I should have done is I should have asked my friend, hey. Why do you want me to run this game? I should have done a little bit more due diligence on what exactly they wanted out of the encounter and exactly what I was supposed to do into the confines of like, is it okay for me to kill a PC? What happens if we have a TPK? What? So th- there wasn't a lot of preparation or expectation setting about what should have been done. But also in retrospect, I should have actually run the dragon encounter when they got to the fight and the people at the table were like, dude, Mike, you've got to run the fight. Right. And I was like, no, this is my friend's game. I want my friend to run the fight. And if one of you gets killed, I'm going to feel like a real jerk for pinch hitting and killing somebody's character. Now, of course, they end up fighting the two dragons and one of them routes because D&D 5e dragons suck the most enormous pile of pestilent feces. And it goes down like a bitch. Anyway, they're... But I guess that gives your friend the chance to pull punches. Like if he doesn't want a TPK... And it's going to happen, then as the GM, you can kind of pull your punches a little. See, I wish I'd run that fight because I think I probably could have killed one of them for sure. I'm confident I could have killed one and maybe two before the green dragon got killed and the black dragon escaped. And I regret not doing that. So I still don't think it was a mistake because clearly he came to you because they weren't getting something out of the game or him. I mean, think about how we talk about all the time that the GMs have to enjoy the game. Right. Maybe he was no longer en- enjoying that aspect no, of it. Right. Yeah. I, and so he needed somebody to come in and show them what they could have, not, what, is, what is available. Not that this person asked, but if this person feels like they've lost control of the game, when they are six people in a party Averaging level 15 in a loot and scoot setup with a quarterback. Yeah, Yeah, with with the quarterback who's min-maxing the math. Right. I can feel like the GM definitely could feel out of control. Yeah. I think at this point, the GM needs to say, okay, let's start a new campaign. Let's do a flashback to when you guys were young and you're all first level again. Maybe even let's play a different game completely. Agreed. And find one where this person can learn from those lessons and slow down the advancement, change up the play style, or play a game that doesn't have such radical advancement. I mean, levels in D&D, they mean a lot more than advancement in most games does. Right. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, maybe he he didn't know how to get control of the game back besides dropping a piano on the players. And, you know, a player is going to get resentful if a GM just drops a piano out of the sky just because the GM can. And so I think maybe he was looking for somebody to try to... Drop that piano well, that wasn't him? Well, no, not drop the piano that wasn't him, but also maybe do it from a more narrative way. Yeah. That to pivot the characters from acting to reacting and then allow them to start acting again. And if the characters are used to acting and not ever reacting, and the opposite extreme is equally bad. Like if your characters are constantly reacting, that's not fun either. But take that sense of control away from them a little bit and make them feel like, okay, this world is a little big and scary and I don't own everything. Yeah. No, that's an excellent point. Like I I had not considered it in terms of... So 
I think of stories in terms of upbeats and downbeats, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so these guys have had so many upbeats, it's become unfun because they didn't feel threatened or right. what have you, right? But so, I, but I think what you're saying about being proactive versus reactive, I think that they've been proactive for so long. Nothing's ever split their lip open and made them think, oh, shit, I can actually get hurt doing this. Well, and also you're, you're leading this event of, oh my gosh, I don't understand what's going on. Scary things are happening. I don't understand this and I'm not sure I can go fix this with an axe. Right, because and then they realize, they're like, oh my God, the silver dragon, whose name I don't recall, uh, the silver dragon has enemies. And, oh, we didn't realize there was a whole dragon politics, right? And we knew that there were dragons of chromatic and metallic, but we didn't realize that we thought that all chromatic dragons hated each other. Like we didn't know that greens and blues and reds and blacks would all hang out with each other and do stuff, right? And then, so they've unraveled this whole bigger dragon conspiracy thing, which was fun. And, and I got to create that and I enjoyed that, but I don't, I don't. Well, you opened up a lot of cool stuff that that GM can use now. Right. Because now, I mean, what, what do you fight six, 14 to 15 level but people with? I guess freaking dragons. I, I mean, I, that's your option. And they're still kind of wussy. But I mean, you don't... A lich? I mean, what else can yeah. you... I mean... Well, a, a 17th level, a CR-17... Yeah, true, true. Ancient blue dragon Dracolich that you just totally put on the juice and you give spells because what fucking monster who designed 5th edition D&D did not make them innate spellcasters? That person, whoever made that decision... Oh, I've got a tiger box for you. A tiger box. Yeah, it's a whole Vietnam torture thing. It was uh, the Vietnamese during the Vietnam War. <laughs> okay, I'm going to head you <laughs> off right there. Um, <laughs> we're not going to veer into military history. <laughs> well, and I feel like this spins off another topic, too, because as players, I don't know, I guess my group is very different because when we do have more powerful characters, we find more, we ourselves find more interesting ways to solve problems. We'll be like, okay, well, how can we solve this without fighting? As players, I feel like that's also on you yeah. to well, kind of create uh, that other side do, of it. People do what works. And part of the reason that individuals develop a variety of dysfunctions in their life, let's put aside gaming, is because they find a survival mechanism that no matter how immoral, messed up, whatever, it works. Mm -hmm. For example, most of the people I've known in my life that are compulsive liars, I mean, everybody lies, but not everyone is a liar. But the people I've known who are compulsive liars, that was a survival mechanism they developed at some point in their life to keep themselves out of trouble or to get themselves desperately needed attention or whatever. And that carries on later into life. Now, I'm not going to call gaming styles a profound social dysfunction or moral dysfunction but the point is that if this is their first role-playing game and you set the tone and send the message that this is what works well of course they're going to keep going back to that toolbox and i'm not judging this group because from what you're saying it's a new group but that's part of the experience is you understood you did it wrong there were things that worked things that didn't work and now maybe it's time to reset the board and whether that means making new characters or doing a flashback or, or once again, outright switching titles. Say change systems. Go be a werewolf and get your ass kicked by yeah, a vampire. Or play a Star Trek Same. game. I don't know what the current rules are, but in some versions of the rules, phasers don't hurt. Right. They remove you they from remove existence. You. Yeah, you, you were a pile of ash. 
Yeah, you were an overlaid special effect and then gone. And it creates a completely different mechanism of solving problems because it necessitates one. And, you know, if this person's goal was to have you put some fear into six individuals that are well-geared level 15 characters, I mean, the turn economy alone, even if they're poorly geared. Yeah, don't don't get me. We could wank on turn (laughs) economy for, well, we already did. Uh, yeah, we had an episode recently on yeah, turn, turn economy, economy and action economy. But but like the the kid's soul crushing comment about his dad aside, I don't know that you did anything you need to feel bad for or sorry about. I mean, if you're ever around me at work, I have a lot of bumper sticker or t shirt slogans, and one of them is is bad engineering comes from bad culture. And if you're going to fix bad engineering, you first have to fix the bad culture that created it. And so you know, I'm not saying Luton Scoot is bad. But if these people weren't enjoying themselves anymore, then that's bad. And so, you know, maybe it is good that you came in and disrupted the culture that created this campaign that was no longer fun. I guess. And I don't think that they weren't having fun. And I don't know, maybe I'm I'm being too egocentric and focusing on the wrong thing. But I put myself in my buddy's mind. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm him behind the game master screen. And my kid and my friends are all asking my buddy who ran an hour portion of one game session to come back and run the game next week. That f***ing stings. That hurts my feelings, right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and one thing I think that's important to keep in perspective is there is a very, very simple mathematical truth here, which is anyone that's run a lot of games ran a first game. Sure. Anyone that's run multiple campaigns ran a first campaign. And looking back on my own first game and first campaign, there are mistakes I made, not because I'm dumb, not because I'm uncreative, but just because it is such a unique hobby because we're used to storytelling, but we're not used to collaborative storytelling. Certainly not storytelling that is this open-ended You know, you could say, well, maybe in some video games, like, okay, in Mass Effect, let's forget the three-color ending. (laughs) There are things that you can do that radically change the course of the story being told Mm -hmm. until the end, where it doesn't all matter. But up to that point, you have a lot of hand in whether entire species live and die Mm -hmm. and how major plot lines turn out and things like that. But it's still a relatively small, finite tree of decisions. And if you're playing the video game, you don't even have to understand how that limited tree works. You just participate in it. That's not the same as being the storyteller, even with a relatively limited set of choices. And in a role-playing game, your choices aren't infinite, but they are way broader than even the most permissive video game allows. Mm -hmm. And so this is a style of entertainment that is very unique in terms of the problems it creates. And especially the longer a campaign goes, if you were slightly off course, if you're half a degree off course and the course is six feet, that doesn't change your position much, but in the course of 6,000 miles, you're in a very different place and by the time they're 15th level, goodness gracious, they've careened so far off of where probably this individual ever predicted the game going. Once again, not because this person's stupid, not because they're a bad GM, not because they don't have the talent or potential to do this, but just because it's new to them. 
I don't think you did a bad thing by showing them a different style because by coming in and telling a story a different way, if nothing else, you may have taught the GM the important object lesson that there is another way to tell the story. The thing that was the biggest takeaway for me is that I'm always trying to learn and get better. And so running that bit of game session for my friends group, the takeaway for me was this, is that it is easy to terrify them with words and mood and atmosphere far more than mechanics. Mm -hmm. And so for my Cthulhu game, when I introduced the Nosferatu Nazi Herr Schreiber, the father of uh, one of the characters, Merrick Schreiber, it's a very long story. But when I introduced him, I didn't say he was a vampire. I just described all of these things, the predatory air about him. And I just, you know, I won't bore the audience with it now, but I go into this whole big thing. And my veteran players who normally game with me, I have them more scared of this guy than I normally do, right? But I had this moment to kind of practice it and I could look at these gamers who were less experienced and see their awe. And I'm like, oh, I can still do that with vets. I can still get my old players to be scared based on description. And then your new players are starry-eyed and hopeful. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And I'm thinking about this like from a, a business context of, you know, if you're a business and you call in an outside consultant is not because everything's great. Oh, yeah. So if you call on an outside consultant, it's at least because management's worried about something. And then I, I think, you know, kind of what you were talking about earlier of how did you handle your friend and maybe did you not know your friend's expectations up front is, you know, there's the outside consultant that walks in, kicks down the front door, throws over the table, puts the fear of God into everybody. Or there's the outside consultant that could kind of come in and take a little bit of time to learn what are the institutional problems and do it in a little bit more slow and methodical way. And so I definitely think your friend was probably asking for help yeah. probably because he knew he needed yeah. help. The question is, how do you provide that help? You know, do you come in and sometimes maybe it's necessary. Sometimes it is necessary to come in and flip the table over just to get people's attention. And I think that act of asking for help betrays the fact that there was something about the game that was not satisfying to him as a game master. You know, you don't ask for help if you don't think you need help on some level. I think the best thing to do there is to communicate the help in a constructive way. What I would love to see happen is follow up with this person and say, what did you like about the game I ran? What did you not like? What do you think you can adapt into your style Or even go back to why are you dissatisfied with the game that you've got and start to give this person some advice to build them up, to empower them and to skill them up in their abilities to run these games. Right. And if the players ask you to come back, I mean, like I said, the, the little soul crushing, you know, you're better than my daddy aside. If the players enjoyed it, too. Again, I don't know that you necessarily did a bad thing. No, I get I get what you're saying. I guess I just felt guilty. Yeah, I felt icky. icky. Thank you. Yeah. Icky's a great way because I felt like I came in and upstaged and that made me Because feel you're sh- an empathetic person and yeah. that's a great thing. You felt what you perceived and may or may not have been this person's pain or this person's embarrassment, which says wonderful things about your character. 
You know, it says mm. that you're an empathetic person. You're not a soulless sociopath or a soulless ginger. A wing. That yeah. yeah, that you felt this coming in and going out. That's great. But you know what you need to do is not sit there and beat yourself up over that. You need to figure out what can you do to get this person to the point where they can run games that upstage you. You know what works every time? An edible arrangement. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Send him an edible arrangement. (laughs) I like I got everybody super engaged for that one. I like that. It just includes a little card that that says, sorry, your kid loves me more. (laughs) I will say say this. My only irritation with my friend was that I went over there expecting that I was going to get handed an NPC and I was going to be part of the party party. Oh, you I, didn't know you were running I, it? When I you didn't know. realize when oh. I sat down at the table that I was going to be the GM DMing for. So he time. didn't even tell you it's coming in. That, no. Well, no. Okay. So I'm no. now I'm back to one of my earlier questions no. of, I think you need to ask this person. Why? Yeah. Why did you suddenly you, punt it to me? Yeah. No, that you, you're, Right. And that's where I failed as a friend, as opposed to just kind of showing up and we're like, oh, there's a dead hooker. Well, let's go dump her in acid and and, and get the goop, you know, dumped into the sewer. And, <laughs> and, 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 and okay, I want to ignore that and go back a, a couple of sentences because I have this little one act play going on in my head now because you said that there was one strong player who was kind of quarterbacking or min maxing or you know, cat her. Let's the rest say of the strong party. personality. Okay, let's say a strong personality. You know, if you had introduced a guest player, and that guest player was also a strong personality, that would have been interesting. That would have been an interesting in a bad way. Like, I think. Yes, I thank yeah. God, right, that my friend did not ask me to be a PC because one of the people at the table, I would have had great difficulty gaming alongside right. if I weren't the game master. And, and that's yeah, why I absolutely. think it was easier for you to come in and drop a couple of dragons on them yeah. just from a, a, a personal interaction point of view than it would be to necessarily co-quarterback the team. Mm, that's a good point. That would have been worse. That would have been way, I mean, even if that was what you were expecting, I think if things had gone the way you were expecting, it actually probably would have been a far <laughs> more frustrating yeah. experience well, for everybody. And knowing I, I, your personality, yeah. you would have chafed and blown up it, within 30 minutes. Straight. I, I had a couple of whiskeys in me, and this individual had a lot of whiskey in him. Oh, so, yeah, so, yeah, it could have been. If you had a couple of the, the PCs, or well, not even the PCs, a couple of the P's. Yeah. actually fighting with yeah. each other. I mean, even if not physically. Yeah. That the guy would have whooped my ass, too. But this would have been a... <laughs> that would have got my ass whooped. But, but that, even if it didn't get that, that would have been a bad experience for the player. So I, I think it was better that you dropped a couple dragons on them yeah. than you co-captain the team. You know what's worse than just a regular min-maxer? One with a lot of whiskey. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's probably got to be like extra level min-max. Yeah. Who also can't math. But think they can because yeah, of that's, that's the worst. Like, worst is would, the ones who can't min max but are convinced they can <laughs> and are not only giving overbearing, yeah. controlling advice, but it's bad advice as well. No, yeah. he's, he's sharp. They just don't know the rules, right? Yeah. So then, if I could, he's like, "Well, I've got banished. I'm going to banish this dragon." And I was like, "No, nope. let's stop 
right there. I mean, no offense. And I could be wrong because you know me, right? Like I so always the top of my in, head isn't banished. No, it doesn't work. Planter beans. I yes. always, I always defer to deferential and I'm like, Hey, I'm 99.9999999999% that you're absolutely wrong and that you can't do that. Now you can check the rule book and yeah, double check me. By coincidence, I actually have the five but, PHP. But right I mean, logically, I mean, think yeah. about this from like, yeah. a, even if you don't get out the rules yeah. book, think about it from a logical standpoint. Why would they allow somebody to be able to banish a being that's supposed to be really tough in from, the universe from the same plane of existence with a with yeah. a snap of their fingers yeah. it's going to be like you're going to have to be like way high level to be able to yeah. do that right. like well, there's I, no way i think it's okay to say you know also because plot yeah, yeah. oh yeah i mean sure. you know my my son is a min maxer but he's also extremely good at the math and he's always right with the math and one of the interesting experiences for me as a gm is when he figured out that i was pulling my punches Oh. And so, you know, like we were getting pretty close to a TPK and I didn't want to do a TPK because I was tired and wanted to go to bed. And so I, you know, and I, if we did a TPK, the kids would have wanted to start from the beginning and I didn't want to be up till three o'clock in the morning. But then, so we're going downstairs at the end of the night and he actually replays all the math from memory and he goes, wait a minute, you could have done this. And if you had done this, you would have thrown this many dice at this range with a statistical chance of rolling this or better. That would have wiped the party. And I'm like, maybe. Okay. So I I was partially correct. Banishment, if done on something not native to the current plane, so an explainer creature, it goes away and stays away. If it is native to that plane, which a dragon would be, so it's native to the material plane, it only disappears for up to one minute, and that's on a failed save, and then comes right back. Right. Right. At at which point, I would have been like, well, first of all, I mean, you know, the the likelihood of the dragon failing the save is low, but but second, they have that whole ability where three times a day they can just choose to succeed a saving throw, and so I would. But yeah. Well, and also, would it be fun if, you know, the Game Master gave you something that you as the player could just go right-click, delete? Well, so, all right. That's a whole different episode of the show, I think. I really, really do. Because there are players that, yes, absolutely. That they like that? Yeah, that that the winning is all that matters. Hmm. And so if I could just X, then I'll do that. I'm just going to X to defeat the monster because the feeling superior in winning is the joy for them. Well, I want to go into pop psychology and wonder what they're doing in their lives or their schools or their careers where they feel this powerless in real life that yeah, they that need to dude, be able to right-click, delete, and Dungeons and Dragons. That the existence of any conflict bothers them, despite the fact that conflict is one of the components of a good story. All right, but I think we are going to leave that one there. So once you again, want to get into pop psychology? No. Well, I also don't want to get into people that cannot handle defeat or adversity in general, because I think there is a whole episode in that, or maybe multiple oh, episodes yes. in that. That is my life of my gamers. That but I'm with. once again, do check the show notes for links to the shows that Brodor was on. We'll link to the show on kids games and also to fear the con thank you guys for tuning in have a great week and great games and we will catch you next time this has been a production of fear the boot copyright 2022 listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com you can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.